1 Kings chapter 17, and I think we'll begin by reading verses 1 through 7 again. It says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from the Gilead settlers said to Ahab, As Yahweh the Mighty One of Israel lives, I stand before him. There will be no dew or rain during these years except by my command. Then a revelation from Yahweh came to him, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide yourself at the creek Cherith, where it enters the Jordan. You are to drink from the creek. I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he did what Yahweh commanded. Elijah left and lived by the creek Cherith, where it enters the Jordan. The ravens kept bringing him bread and meat in the morning and in the evening, and he drank from the creek. After a while, the creek dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now, Yahweh bless His Word to our hearts today. So in our study of what's going on in this particular period in Israel's history, the prophet Elijah has gone up to King Ahab, who is the current king in the northern kingdom of Israel, and he has proclaimed or pronounced a drought upon the land until he says that it's over, Elijah. Now, I wonder what King Ahab thought in that moment. Ahab was not a worshiper of Yahweh. Mark that. So it's likely that he thought Elijah was a nut. Who does this man think he is barging in on me, coming into my palace, talking to me like I'm just one of the commoners? I'm the king... Shut up, you old hairy man. But see, when Elijah spoke, Yahweh spoke. When Elijah walked in, Yahweh walked in. But when Elijah left, Yahweh left. Today we're going to focus on just verses 2 through 4, where Elijah leaves the king by a revelation or a command from Yahweh. Yahweh tells Elijah, you go and you hide by the creek named Cherith at the entrance to the Jordan River. And the point I would like to glean from the text today is how Elijah represents the word of Yahweh. Elijah is Yahweh's mouthpiece. Elijah is Yahweh's messenger. Elijah is the only active prophet left amongst all of the Israelite people at this time. And Yahweh sends him to the king but then Yahweh takes him away. He's protected, but he's hidden. He's in a safe place, but he's away from the people. This is another type of famine. The first famine that we looked at was physical. Last week we talked about the no rain. That equals food becoming more and more scarce over a three and a half year period. We even read just a second ago where Elijah could only drink from the creek Cherith for so long because it dried up eventually. Why? Because of the drought. But this second famine that we're going to consider today is the famine of the word of Yahweh. When Yahweh removed Elijah, Yahweh was removing his word from the people of Israel. When Yahweh hid Elijah, Yahweh was hiding his word. Elijah was protected the whole time because Yahweh was protecting his word, his message. But Elijah was taken away from the people. In the Bible... Mark this down. In the Bible, whenever Yahweh is silent among His people, it is a sign of judgment. When Yahweh stops talking through His prophets, in dreams, through His messengers, 
It's a sign of judgment upon that land. When Yahweh takes away His Word by removing genuine preachers of His Word, judgment is upon the land. And with that judgment comes many teachers, but they are all false teachers. Someone may turn on the television to TBN, which stands for Trinity Broadcasting Network. Some people think that it's Christian television. I don't think that it's Christian television. Some people may turn on the television to that channel today and think that the Word of the Lord is bright and shining. Not hardly. What is taking place on quote-unquote Christian TV today and in Americanized Christianity reminds me of Paul's words to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 3-4 where Paul writes this, quote, For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires they will accumulate teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. End of that quote. The word accumulate means to pile up a load of something. And when you pile up a load of false teachers, you pile up a load of dung. False teachers will tell you what your natural man wants to hear. They'll promise you material things. They'll play on your emotions. Let it be known to the saints here today, a true minister of Yahweh will never play on your pocketbook or your emotions. But a false teacher always will. Play on your emotions in your pocketbook. They will sound very persuasive, but they will empty your wallet. They will tell you to give them your money if you want to be blessed. And I am being very light on them right now because Yahweh in His Word calls them hirelings and greedy dogs. When Yahweh wants to judge a nation, He removes genuine preachers, just like He removed Elijah. Make no mistake about it, Yahweh is not speaking through the accumulated teachers of 2 Timothy 4, 3-4. If you listen to those teachers, you are not listening to Yahweh. You are pleasing yourself. 1 Samuel 28, verses 5-16, through 16, tells us that there was a time when King Saul, an earlier king in Israel, went to inquire of Yahweh, but Yahweh did not answer him. And Saul knew that meant he was in serious trouble. Saul said this in that text, The Philistines are fighting against me, and the Almighty has turned away from me. He doesn't answer me anymore, either through the prophets or in dreams. The silence of Yahweh's word equaled judgment. The prophet Amos spoke of this as well. In Amos 8, 11-12, we read this, Yahweh says through His prophet, Hear this, the days are coming, says Yahweh, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of Yahweh. People will stagger from sea to sea and roam from north to east, seeking the word of Yahweh, but they will not find it. The silence of Yahweh's word equals judgment from Yahweh. Whenever Yahweh stops talking, it is bringing judgment upon a nation. See, in man's mind, in the human mind, the worst famine is food shortage. But the worst thing that could ever happen to a person or a nation is for Yahweh to remove His Word. And Yahweh removes His preachers as judgment upon a people, and in their place, you get a different kind of preacher. Those who preach their own Word instead of Yahweh's Word. A false teacher would come to King Ahab and tell him, everything is going along just fine, Ahab. You don't have anything to worry about. Just tiptoe through the tulips. 
You've got plenty of money. Your temple for Baal is nice and pretty. You're pleasing Jezebel, your wife. All is well in Samaria, Ahab. Don't worry about it. It'll rain. Elijah can't control the rain. You're doing just fine. That's how a false teacher would have came and pronounced to Ahab. And there are a dime a dozen if you turn on the television or the radio today. But the word of Yahweh, Elijah, Eliyahu Navi, came to Ahab and told him judgment was near. And then the word of Yahweh left King Ahab, which meant double judgment. Ahab would experience both a physical famine and a spiritual famine. Brothers and sisters, make no mistake about it. If preaching does not confront sin, rebuke sin, call for confession and repentance, and stir up a brokenness in your soul that sets your eyes, not on your own life, but that sets your eyes upon the Messiah, then it is not preaching that you're listening to. You might be listening to a good speech, a lecture, a motivational talk. You might be listening to a number of those things, but it's not preaching if it doesn't confront sin and call for repentance. It's not preaching. One of the major problems today is the absence of the law in preaching. When no law is preached, there's nothing to repent of. When no law is preached, there's no knowledge of sin. A downplaying of the law is in reality a downplaying of sin. Why? Because 1 John 3 verse 4 says that sin is the transgression of the law. So when you downplay the law, you downplay sin in people's minds. And then they get eased in Zion and they think there's nothing to confess. There's nothing to repent of. Everything is just fine in my valley, in my home, in my life. If you do not hold up the high standard of the law, then sin becomes trivial. Sin seems non-existent because the law is not really that big of a deal. But it was of great importance to the apostles of Yeshua. The law was. Thus you have Apostle Paul writing things like this in 1 Corinthians 6, 9-10. through Paul writes, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of Yahweh? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin, or who worship idols, or commit adultery, or are male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or are thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, or are abusive, or cheat people, None of these will inherit the kingdom of Yahweh. That's a preacher of the law when you read the Apostle Paul. And again he writes to the church at Galatia in Galatians 5, 19-20, that book that everybody thinks is anti-law. Well, Paul writes in Galatians 5, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of Yahweh. That's that antinomian book, Galatians. I'm being facetious. When no law is preached, saints... There is never a conviction for sin. There's never a sorrow in the pews. There's never a knowledge that anything is wrong in your life when no law is preached. You could be a practicing homosexual, a practicing adulterer with other men's wives, a fornicator, 
sex outside of marriage, a Sabbath breaker, not worried about giving Yahweh his day. You could have hatred in your heart. You could be a covetous of other men's things. You could have idols in your life. And you could sit in Lakewood, Texas at that church and never feel any conviction for any of those sins because those sins are never named by the preacher for what they are. Cosmic treason against the Creator of heaven and earth in our lives. When no law is preached, there's never a conviction for sin. No law equals no sin. No sin equals no need for grace and mercy. Do you know why we need grace and mercy? It's because we sin. That's why we need it. We sin because the law exists. So no law would eventually lead to no grace. There's no need for grace if we haven't broken any law. Without a conviction for sin, there is no pressing need for a Savior. You don't think or feel like you need to be saved from your sins if you don't think that you're guilty. If you think you're pretty much okay and everything's pretty good, I'm a pretty good person. I'm pretty okay. You can never have a faithful presentation of the gospel without first having a faithful presentation of the law. The sweetness of the gospel is lost if the strictness of the law is lost. The gospel will not be seen as the healing balm if the law doesn't first fester the sores to the top. See, it is not in man's power to produce or manufacture repentance. So many people today, and I've been in a lot of churches since I was a little boy, and so many churches today try to manufacture repentance from the outside in. It doesn't work that way. It works from the inside out. It's like I was talking about the fruit of the Spirit. If I have a day in my life that I am joyful or kind, it is not the fruit of Matthew. Matthew did not produce that fruit. It's still the fruit of the Spirit. It's the Spirit that works within me, inside, that manifests itself on the outside in my actions. You can't manufacture repentance. You can't clean somebody up on the outside and think that they repented. Repentance works on the inside out. And I promise you, I give you my word, because I know it's in the Scriptures and I've seen it happen, When Yahweh changes your life, when Yahweh changes your heart or gives you a new way of mind, a new thinking and washes your sins whiter than snow and moves them as far as the east is from the west and you have a different reality living on the inside of you, you won't be able but to help hate sin and love the law. You won't be able but to hate wickedness and love righteousness. And when you do sin, and mark my word, you will. You will sin. And when you do, it will bother you and it will tear on you and it will bite you, and you'll know that you did wrong to Yahweh, and you won't have a worldly sorrow where you were just sorry because somebody caught you in the act. You'll have a holy sorrow, a righteous sorrow, because you're sorry for committing a sin against Father Yahweh. And you don't like how it makes Father Yahweh feel, because He gave the law. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Are you still with me, saints? This is Bible preaching. This is revival preaching. Law preaching is revival preaching. One of the aspects that marked the great revival preaching in America was always a preaching of the law and a conviction of sin and a call for repentance and then a changed life that produces fruits worthy of repentance. Like John the Baptist said, bring forth fruits meet for repentance. Like Paul said at the end of Acts, 
You've got to produce works that are in consistency with repentance. Paul preached the same thing that John the Baptist preached. You have to preach the law. It's not in man's power to produce or manufacture repentance. And the reason you've got to preach the law is because I do not have the ability to cause you to repent. But I will tell you what does. The preaching of the law. Men's hearts are hard, and it takes the strong hammer of the law to bust the heart of stone. Yahweh is the one that produces or grants repentance, but the primary way that He does it, listen to this, saints, the primary way that Yahweh does it is through faithful and faith-filled preachers of His Word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the message preached. Romans ten seventeen. The law of Yahweh is perfect, converting the soul. Psalm 19, verse 7. A sinner that is a practicing sinner does not need to hear the gospel. He or she only needs to hear more and more law. Because until they are convicted of their sin and sorrowful for their sin, a righteous sorrow, they do not get the sweetness, the balm of the gospel. They get the hard hammer of the law. That's why biblical preaching has always been and will always be not just law preaching, not just gospel preaching, but law and gospel preaching. That's biblical preaching. If there is no preaching of the Word, specifically the law, it is a sure sign that judgment has come down upon a people. It is Yahweh being silent. It is Yahweh sending Elijah off to live alone in the wilderness. The law is the sharp needle that comes first to prick. It is the letter that kills. It is the knife that cuts deep. It is the preaching against sin. As I said, law preaching is the only type of revival preaching. Revival preaching doesn't mean everybody got excited one night and the preacher didn't get to preach. Revival preaching means the law was preached, sinners were convicted of their sin, and repentance was had in the congregation. People who were living in sin got delivered from their sin, quit toying around with that sin, asked Yahweh to forgive them for that sin, and then were able to fight that sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's true revival preaching. That's true revival. And once the law is proclaimed in all its perfection and all its holiness, then and only then, when the sinner breaks, can the gospel be proclaimed in all its beauty and purifying power, but only to and for the broken repentant person. I like what Martin Luther said. Martin Luther, the old Protestant reformer, he said, you give the law to the hard-hearted man, but you give the gospel to the broken-hearted man. When a man realizes he's a sinner, when a man realizes the law has convicted him of his sin, and he feels that powerful repentance well enough in his soul, you cannot give him the gospel quick enough because you need to tell him, listen, my child, take heart. Your sins have been cleansed. Your sins have been forgiven. See, you're not saved by the law, but you are saved by the law. Let me explain that. You're not saved by the law in the sense of your own righteousness. All of us have sinned. There's none of us who always does what is good, right, and holy. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 20. Therefore, we're not saved by the law in that sense. But there is a sense in which we are saved by the law. Because the law is there to do what? To reveal our need for salvation. The law is there to bring to light our sins, our problems, our evil, our rebellion. The law is there to convict. The law is there to beat us down to the realization that we cannot do it on our own. Brothers and sisters, you can't do it on your own. 
But when the law does that, there stands the Messiah sent by the Father in all His beauty. He's the perfect law keeper. The non-sinner. And He reaches out His hand to the man or woman who is crushed by the law and He says, Don't fear, my friend. The Father sent me to save you. It's okay. I love you. I've come so that you could have life. See, those words are sweet, but they're only sweet to the one who knows they need to hear them. You can speak those words of gospel to a man with a heart of stone and they bounce off of that heart of stone. They don't connect with that heart of stone because the man doesn't really see that he's a sinner in need of a Savior. Mark my word, the Messiah will become the sweetest person to you when you realize how bad you need Him. You won't be able to go a day without thinking about what He has done for you. There'll be times when you ride down the road and you begin to cry because you're sorrowful for your sins. The words are only sweet to the man or the woman who knows that he or she is not good. To the person who has hit rock bottom and felt the conviction of sin, that conviction wells up in them like a deathly sickness. The Gospels preach to that person and that person cries tears of holy sorrow. They have sorrow because they violated their Maker's standard. It is an absolute fact that when this preaching, this kind of preaching is absent from a pulpit, when this presentation of the law of Yahweh is not present in a home, in a church, or in a nation, it is because Yahweh has stopped talking. There is a famine in the land, brothers and sisters, today, and it's not a famine of bread. It's not a famine of water. We've got food coming out of our mouths, out the wazoo as we say. We've got plenty to drink and plenty to eat. But there is a famine of Yahweh's Word in our land today. Just like there was back then in the days of King Ahab and Yahweh hit Elijah. So I want to close today with a call to repentance. Brothers and sisters, I don't know any of you in detail. I spend a pretty good bit of time with some of you more than others sometimes. But I don't know you as good as you know yourself. I don't know the areas where you fall short the most because you have them. The reason I know you have them is because I have them. I have my own areas where I fall short. And they may be different, but it's all sin. It's all transgression of the law. So the call to repentance today is this, is that Yahweh's law does not bend for anybody. He will not let you into His kingdom based on your good marks because you do not measure up to His law. That sin that you're hiding is only going to get worse. If there's anybody in here today that's hiding a sin, the best thing you could do is get it out in the open with someone that you trust so that they can help you in that area of your life. The sin that you hold on to is only going to make your life more and more miserable because the way of a transgressor is hard. Sin does not love you. Sin could care less about you. Sin could hate you, and sin wants to see you rot in hell. It doesn't love you at all. Unrepentant sinner today, under the sound of my voice here, on the telephone, or anybody that may listen to this message later on, you are lost and you're headed for eternal destruction if you are not penitent and repentant over your sin. The law has passed its verdict upon you and you've been found guilty. The law of Yahweh is perfect, but you are not perfect. 
But, O sinner, there is hope. There is rest for your weary soul. There is light peeking through the deep darkness of that damp, cold, dark cave. There is this man I know from a little town called Nazareth who came to save sinners. So if you're a sinner, you qualify. He will take your sin and He will give you His righteousness. All your wickedness will be forgotten. All your sin will be removed. And you will be made whiter than snow. And you will be able to stand before the Heavenly Father because you're in the robe of the righteousness of His Son. Let go of the sin that burdens you down. Brothers and sisters, let go of the sin that burdens you down. I've been there before. I've tried to hold on to things in my life. There's things that I did not want to stop. There's areas that I did not want to admit. But it was so freeing when I finally was able to admit them. I remember the day that I was riding down the road and I was already very, very humble because Yahweh had had revealed some things to me through His Word, through His law in my life. And I remember when the thought finally hit me that when I pray to Yahweh, there is no need for me to keep anything from Him because He already knows everything about me. He already knows. so funny how we think we can hide from Father Yahweh. He already knows everything about me. So now when I pray, I just let it all hang out, as we say. I let it all out. Father Yahweh, You know who I am, and I'm going to confess my sins to You today. This happened today. Father, I hate that it happened. I'm so sorry. This happened yesterday. Father Yahweh, help me tomorrow. I'm very, very penitent to Yahweh. And I believe only the penitent person will pass into His kingdom. I really do. I really do. If you hide your sin, you try to hold on to it, it's going to destroy you. It's going to destroy you. Spiritually, mentally, possibly physically. But if you confess your sin and you forsake it, I promise you, you will find mercy. Always a merciful, mighty one like that. So if you want those chains to be broken, lay your burdens at the feet of Yahweh. He's there to love on you, broken sinner. He's there to forgive you. That's your only hope. He's here right now. He's here right now. Yahweh is here right now. And you don't have to carry the weight and the load of that sin anymore. He will take your broken heart and He'll give you a brand new one. He won't fix your broken one. He'll get rid of that one. And He'll give you a brand spanking new heart. He's the giver of new hearts, brothers and sisters. Sometimes He gives them to the people we least expect to get them to. Hallelujah. Amen. If you're sorrowful over your sin today, if it pains you that you've broken Yahweh's holy law, if you are penitent and you are contrite, then fear not, my friend. Ask and you shall receive. Your sins are forgiven. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Father Yahweh, I'm thankful for Your law. I'm thankful for Your gospel. I I pray, Yahweh, that You would help me not to downplay either one of them. I pray that You would help me to preach them in their proper perspective. I pray, Father Yahweh, that all of us in here, Father, would be granted repentance and new hearts. And Yahweh, Father, I ask that you would 
help and touch me and all of the people here, all the people listening on the phone, to be more conscious of your law, to be more conscious of the strictness of your law, so that we may realize the sweetness of the gospel of the Messiah, the gospel about the Messiah. I love you and I thank you, Father Yahweh. It is through your Son I pray.